Hello and welcome to the Geek Guild, a podcast where we talk about all things geek. My name is Lexus. Hey, my name's Raymond. And today we are going to be doing part one of like 12 or so parts discussing this, Assassin's Creed. There's going to be a lot. It, there's a lot of games. <laughs> but that's okay. We'll be traveling through time, exploring different countries, meeting interesting characters, and uncovering history as we discuss the complex story of Assassin's Creed through its 12 games. So, the first Assassin's Creed game was released for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 in 2007, which was 15 years ago. That's that's ridiculous. 15 years? Yeah. Do you remember what you were doing 15 years ago? Oh, man, I was barely conscious. Um, (laughs) How old was I? Jesus. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know, uh, I want to say I was probably... Maybe early middle school? Wait, no, you said 2007? Yeah. Oh, gee, that's like... Is that even before middle school? I'm not even sure. Because I don't remember hearing about the game when it first came out, because I think I was too young. I heard about it, like, later. A couple years later. I I heard about it from some friends, and I was in middle school. I was 13. That's just so long ago. God, I must have been, like, 11. That's... (laughs) Oh my goodness. It was created by Jade Raymond, Corey May, and Patrice Delsets, I think is how you pronounce her name. And it was developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft. Wow, Ubisoft. We'll uh, we'll have more to say about Ubisoft later. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I have my own opinions about this, but that'll be later. So when I was um, researching this, I found many sources that said the game is considered a spiritual successor to the Prince of Persia series. I, I've heard similar claims. Um, there, I feel like spiritual successor is kind of a loaded term. Uh, it's not, I guess, aesthetically, vaguely. Uh, I know uh, that when they were thinking about creating Assassin's Creed, I know the idea started off as it was going to be the next Prince of Persia game, um, and somewhere along the line, they, they dropped kind of the fantasy elements and were just like, it's going to be its own thing. So, no, I, I definitely I've, I've heard that before. What I have um, here, it says that they created the narrative of the assassin who served as a bodyguard for the prince yes yes they did and originally it was a non-player and it said that it led to a game called prince of persia assassin but they weren't thrilled about a prince of persia game without a playable prince so they suggested playing off the creed of assassins and i'll probably mess this up but it says La Shea Wakalam Mutlag Bao Kulon Moon King. I mean, I, that sounds perfect to me. I, 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 I'm not even looking at the word. <laughs> and it translates to nothing is true, everything is permitted. Ah, uh, the classic line. There it is. <laughs> so they dropped the prince and created conflict between the Knights Templar and the Assassins, which ultimately led to Assassin's Creed. 
Yeah, I can really see their their thought process how they broke that down. I mean, I, that makes complete sense now. I don't think I've played a Prince of Persia game. I haven't either. I've seen a lot of uh, gameplay though. I mean, they look fun. So with the first game, well, let's talk about the plot. All right. It's not. Uh, it's not that complicated. No. <laughs> The idea is a fictional history within real-world events. And I put the millennia-old struggle between the Templars, who desire peace and order, and the assassins who fight for free will and peace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that, and that idea gets expanded on a lot in the later games. You know, to varying degrees of success, in my opinion. But uh, we'll, we'll talk to that when we get there. <laughs> the first game takes place mostly in the Holy Land, primary, primarily the cities of Masyoth, Damascus, Acre, and Jerusalem in 1911 during the... That's not right. I put 1911 during the Third Crusade. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that was like... I, don't, I, can't, I can't even tell you how what time necessarily that was. I, I am not a historian by any means. Clearly uh, I'm not. I put 1911. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever that time was, I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's kind of the uh, alternative take on history. Uh, I, I mean, it makes sense, the setting they chose, given its inspiration from Prince of Persia, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, yeah, as far as I know, that's an accurate telling of the story and setting. And it's played from the third person perspective. As all the games are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that sounded rude. I'm sorry. A little bit, but it's my okay. Bad, my bad. Primarily you play the role of Altair as I experienced think. by protagonist Desmond Miles. Yes, because there was a, uh, there's kind of, it's, for those who've never played it, there's kind of like two different plot lines going on. You have Desmond reliving what had happened in his, you know, his previous ancestor's life, um, Altair Ibn Lahad. And then you have Desmond and the assassins and their struggle in modern day, uh, which is a controversial topic to say the very least. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that don't, that's a big part of the game. Uh, is you know because you're I, if i'm not mistaken they really don't tell you hardly anything when you first came in they, they tell you that you're i might get it wrong uh i can't remember if he's if he's willingly serving abstergo or if he, no he got kidnapped right yeah he got kidnapped no he definitely got kidnapped they kept him in a room and they were trying to find like important data in his genetic memory it's 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 a lot. They explain it in the beginning, but I go into that a little bit too. Gotcha. Gotcha. We can continue then. All right. So lost my place. You're welcome. Oh. <laughs> the goal of the game is to carry out a series of assassinations that are ordered by Al Malum who is the leader of the assassins. In order to achieve this goal, you have to travel from the Brotherhood's headquarters, that is, 
located in Masaf to the holy across the holy land to one of three cities to find the brotherhood agent in that city and then you get some information and do some reconnaissance missions before carrying out the assassination attempt yeah yeah Which that's if you uh, think about it, it's a little messed up to have a game where you just go assassinate people. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, they definitely hit the nail on the head. I mean, <laughs> I, I, that's exactly what I would imagine I'd be doing in a game called Assassin's Creed. Um, I, I will say, uh, even though it is kind of grim, it's about assassinating, they, uh, they do get very creative with some of the... Um, approaches you have to take to assassinating people one one big thing i'll go ahead and i mean we'll get into this later i assume but one big thing is like the social stealth mechanic and so i feel like that was definitely a pretty important part of this first game that made it kind of stand out especially between all these different assassinations how how you had to make a plan to get close to them i guess all yeah. of that was very different each time yeah I think some of them you had to befriend too, right? I think so. Uh, the one that's sticking out in my mind is where it, you have to go assassinate this like doctor, um, and he's in a hospital full of these like sick and injured people, and you have to get up into the rafters. I think uh, like the wooden beams that go across, and you have to like stalk out his uh, routine of like which patients he visits, um, and you got to like figure out the best spot to murder him and not get spotted <laughs> so yeah but it's uh, it's very fun and then like you mentioned earlier the protagonist is desmond miles and he's voiced by nolan north yes we got good old nolan north um in the story desmond is a bartender who gets kidnapped by agents of abstergo industries and Abstergo is the world's leading pharmaceutical conglomerate. And he's taken to their headquarters, which is located in Rome. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they really just kind of throw you into a fish, you know, like, like a fish out of water, I guess, at the, at the beginning. Where you just basically wake up and you're in some Abstergo facility. And they're like accessing your brain or whatever, and you're just like, "Whoa, what's what's going on here?" I think I I don't know exactly how much of that they explain before just throwing you into Abstergo, or if they just don't. If you just wake up there, um, it's it's been so long since I played. I I mm -hmm. don't remember, but I feel like like you said, they just throw you in there, and you just gotta sink or swim. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they and then oh man, and then there's all the. Uh, there's all kinds of secrets in this game, too, uh, that are very easy to miss if you're not careful. With, like, uh, the eagle vision and looking at, like, the root, the messages on the wall. I don't know. It was, it's, a, it's a very, very good experience. Um, <clears throat> he's forced to participate in a bunch of trials under the supervision of Dr. Warren Biddick and his assistant Lucy Stillman who I just found out was voiced by Kristen Bell uh, wait what yeah I had no idea man who would have known 
The trials revolve around the Animus, a machine that has the capability to translate genetic memories of ancestors into a, stim a simulated reality. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty crazy premise. Um, that I mean, that sounded insane just hearing you explain it, to be honest. Um, but it's one of the cooler parts they introduce you to in the beginning. Um, whether or not that's scientifically accurate, I'm, I'm gonna. I don't think so. But it's it's a very novel idea, and they they kind of run with it the whole time. Even like the UI. And like the uh, the icons in game are kind of look like glitches. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. um, that was always really cool, in my opinion. I always like the um, when you get desynchronized, the kind of like the the oh the, kind like of like fades out and get all glitchy and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. Thought that oh, was like like cool. the system was just falling apart. <laughs> oh, Isn't man. the idea for this whole uh, playing memory type things, kind of the idea for that avatar, maybe, or is that different? Mm, uh, like, hmm, avatar movie, like like the blue alien people avatar. Yeah. Uh, I want to say because because I feel I feel like because they had like bodies that they transplanted their consciousness into right because he had like his human body where he was like he was like in the wheelchair but then he had his navi body and he would like see through the eyes of that if that makes sense i don't know if it was like a ge like genetic memory thing interesting as far as i know this is one of the only major fictional worlds that i know of that talks about genetic memory and accessing the streamlined moments of your ancestors or whatever. So Desmond had to relive the early years of Altair. And Altair was a senior member of the Assassin Brotherhood during the time of the Third Crusade, you know, in 1911. That's exactly when that <laughs> happened. As he goes through to Recently. eliminate all his targets. Yes. So there is, I'm going to say there's a spoil alert for people who have not played the game, but it was out 15 years ago, so I'm not I would that worried about it. I would hope know kind of what happens. <laughs> so he learns that the nine targets are all secret members of the Templar Order, and they're attempting to locate something called the Apple of Eden. Oh, yeah. This is a, yeah, that's a, that's a really contentious part the apple of eden and other such items they make frequent appearances in this series which i mean it, it makes sense once we explain it here in a second <laughs> and the apple of eden was a relic of a forgotten civilization that is said to possess godlike powers and during one of the assassination attempts on a man named robert who already had known that he was a target Altair exposed his target's crimes and was challenged to a duel. And he wounds Albert, who confesses a betrayal within the Assassins and the Templars, both by Al-Hulam. If you remember him, he's the guy who gave the Assassin orders. Yeah, he's like the headmaster. He's like uh, he's like Assassin's Creed Dumbledore, basically. I remember playing and I was like, what is this plot twist? Yeah, uh, yeah oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
especially at the time because I thought he looked like a wizard. So in the back of my head, I was like, oh man, like Merlin just betrayed me. <laughs> yeah, he looks kind of like he's got the big old beard. He's got that robe. I don't know. So Merlin has yes. <laughs> Pl- yeah, that's a, a plot twist inside a plot twist. Has the apple and has been using it to control the residents, which includes most of the assassins. Yes. So Altair storms the citadel and confronts Merlin. <laughs> they battle and Altair stabs him with the hidden blade and tries to destroy the Apple of Eden. But instead he reveals a map that leads to other pieces of Eden around the world. I oh, loved yeah. that hidden blade. I mean, I was I was literally just about to say, can we talk about that for a little bit? I mean, holy shit. Okay. I when I was younger, I can't tell you how many times I fantasized about having one of those. Oh my god. And then when the second game came out and they were like, oh, now you have two of those? My little, like, ten-year-old brain just exploded. I I, I loved it so, so much. Me too. I, I wanted one. And you can get one now, I found out. They had a couple at a convention that we ran. Mm. They, they were, you know... A very, very pretty penny, but of course, I want one so bad. Oh, yeah, no, me too. And oh, I always like one of the first things I ever judge about a new game that comes out um, is like, all right, what's what's their hidden bully look like? What's it do? And if if it <laughs> if it's not up to my standards, like, hmm, maybe I won't play this game, which I always do. I, I always do, don't worry, but no, I think, um. Uh, the Hidden Blade is really, it's kind of iconic of the series. Uh, I think even people who don't even really know what the game is about, if you say Assassin's Creed, they kind of think of it. Um, it's kind of just taken on a life of its own, um, if I would say so myself. It was my favorite to use in the multiplayer games, because you could just kind of like blend in with the crowd and walk and see your target and just nail them without them ever knowing. And you're just still walking because it's just quick. Yeah, and that's, you know, that kind of plays back into the social stealth, you know, t- some of the biggest, I guess that's what this, this first game really did well that kind of stuck with people is that it took its best mechanics and they just kind of went hand in hand and they just, they just blended together as well as with the world itself. Um, Cause the idea of walking through this crowd and having like the white robes and matching up with the, uh, like, you know, the, the, priests and stuff who would walk around and just kind of like delivering a lightning fast jab so fast that you know people don't even know what happened because you're just surrounded by like waves and waves of people um and then the the gentleman just you know collapses that that's just such a cool fantasy of like being the blade in the crowd of just you know brushing shoulders with the target and then all of a sudden they're on the ground bleeding to death, you know, and no one knows who did it. You're already out. Um, just, a, just a wonderful kind of power fantasy. Yeah, I agree completely. So back in the present with Desmond, the assassins launch an attack on the Abstergo facility that Desmond's being held at in an attempt to rescue him. Which I find interesting because, like, if he was kidnapped, 
How did they even find out? I don't think they ever explain it, to be honest with you. But I, I don't mean, think they I, do. I, they they kind of play off the assassins and and that general group of people as being very tech savvy, as being all into like subterfuge and you know either hacking or blackmailing people to get information to get the details on their movements and like what they're doing. Um, so I guess that they kind of just leaned on that vibe and said that's that's just that's enough. That'll explain it. Uh, which to <laughs> me, at, at what the more time, do you want? yeah, at the time I was like, oh, that's exactly what they would do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, of, of course. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But they were unsuccessful, and it resulted in multiple deaths. Yeah, there'll be plenty more of those. Vidic then reveals to Desmond that Abstergo is the modern-day incarnation of the Templars and that they are trying to find the remaining pieces of Eden. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, a side note, also just just batshit. That's crazy, right? Because on the surface, right, like, look, look at this game without knowing anything about it. You see a guy with, like, a hidden blade. He's, like, an assassin. It says in the title, and he's in, like, the Middle East. You're like, oh, this is, like, a purely like historical game it probably means that uh you know they're probably pretty faithful to history and then now we start talking about ancient like godlike civilizations that didn't survive an apocalypse that befell the earth and had to leave ancient pieces of it, it like powerful technology that can control people's minds so that two warring groups that will survive and persist for like thousands of years will battle it over just crazy. Yeah. And I love it. I I love it. And it's such a, like, maybe that's another thing that really just snagged people, right? Is that the game on the surface looks so, you know, it, it, look, One it looks... One-dimensional. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would say it's more like it's it's it has, like, a historical focus. And, you know, the assumption with that is that, oh, they're probably going to stick pretty close what actually happened they're not really this is going to be more of a factual experience so, you know, I'm not going to expect anything wild um, and I think that does a very good job of setting your expectations to a certain point and then just just subverting it super super hard you know uh, where you're like oh shit yeah they had like ancient alien people that in, like created humanity and you know it, it, <laughs> you, you don't expect that going into what looks like visually a historical game uh, and I feel like at the time, you know, especially with me, uh, that ju that just surprises the hell out of you. And you're like, oh, man, it just gets you to pay attention. Oh, yeah. And, like, the, the story, like, if you remember, it's like, it, I always saw it as, like, a little movie. Like, you're playing inside of a movie because there's so much to it with all the little stories and the, um, what, what do they call the videos? Oh, um, are, are you talking like the, the memory videos or whatever? Yeah. They play like little movies. There's just so much in, in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially each time you like assassinate a target, it has a, a whole like fictional cutscene where it's just the simulation has just isolated you and this other person. And you're having like this, you know, moment of earnest uh, conversation with them 
and they're kind of like revealing to you the secrets and the the goals and dreams of their life which you have now taken from them and that getting to see that also was just incredible um because then it gave you i don't know like it conditioned you to think okay this next person i'm going to assassinate they probably have like a whole backstory right because there's there's gonna be a whole like it's like a it's just like a little nugget you know like okay i killed the dude and now i just get this cool ass cutscene you get this kickback and watch i mean it's ah uh, no it, it's a uh it, a genius design decision in my opinion i think it would the game would not be what it is without that yeah it definitely causes a little bit of like inward conflict with yourself <laughs> yeah especially when you start putting the pieces together and you're like oh Ooh, that guy was a doctor, you know. Oh, that guy was like a priest or whatever. <laughs> and, Can I just kill them? Yeah, and you know, and it, it that kind of creates an interesting mindset for the players because now you have to think, okay, I may or may not have just done a bad thing. You know, how am I going to justify this <laughs> internally? Like, oh, well, he was a Templar, so you know, he uh, uh, it makes sense. He had to die, right? Um, and then if you're like, oh, but like. Especially towards the end of the game where they they just blatantly say it. They're like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure that was a Templar? What if I told you <laughs> that you've been working for the bad guy this whole time? Um, exactly. Which is not a new trope at all. It's, you know, that, that's been done a lot of times. But I think especially the way the game presents itself... You know, it takes so many different turns that you don't expect, especially like lore-wise. That you know, you're kind of just sitting there thinking, like, God, man, what 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 could happen next? You know, your mind's just racing with you know what's going on. Um, but yeah, no, they do a very good job of pulling you into the world. Mm-hmm. So after Vedic uh, reveals. That Astergo is the like modern day incarnation oh, the of the Templars. Yeah, um, Desmond was supposed to be killed, but he convinces them to keep him for further testing. Mm -hmm. And then we're left with Desmond in his room, where he discovers strange drawings that depict a oh, catastrophic yeah. event that will wipe out humanity. And I thought it was so cool that the game left on like a cliffhanger like that oh yeah no i think that definitely did a good job because i i, I really do think it's all about subverting expectation I, I feel like i'm just gonna be a broken record on that but the fact that you look at the game and it's like okay you're going through this very historic place and you're encountering and even murdering some very historic people who were very important and for you to flip that on its head and be like, oh, no, that's not what the game is about. It's actually about ancient god deities who were aliens and also invented humanity. And how there's, like, a prophetic coming of, like, an apocalypse that you need to stop. And you just need to unravel this rat's nest of mystery. Um, you just don't see that coming. Mm -mm. Um, and for you to leave the game on a cliffhanger, you're just capitalizing on all of that interest that he, you have just spent the whole game generating if that makes sense which I, I guess basically guarantees that a sequel has to happen you know especially as as a new title that no one's ever heard of before you know that's going to create a lot of talk 
Um, now, it of course, did for me, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I can imagine people are like, dude, this game is nothing like you think it is. Like, you look at it and you think it's a certain way, it's not that. Trust me. Um, and, and then we're just going to sprinkle in some more plot twists just for good effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially when you begin the game and you're like, oh, why am I in the modern world? Am I going to go back in time? You know? Uh, and, and, and then it explains its big old plot devices of the Animus and, you know, genetic memory and this and that and the other. But, um, no, it's... They did a good job. They did a good job towards the ending. One of my favorite parts about the game is... And, well, really the whole series is the way that they designed the open world play. Mm-hmm. And how it has so much as much freedom as possible and like you can kind of choose how you go about your missions and all the little details that give it more life like walking by in the little um towns and stuff and just hearing people have conversations or like little mini missions on the side i thought it was really cool yeah now i i will say because in terms of the mission structure of this game it really is a Basically, you know, because you have, like, the open world, but the narrative of the game is measured by just, like, Mission 1, Mission 2, Mission 3, you know. It's not like some of the more recent titles where there's a lot of just side quests sprinkled all over the place and there's the map is, like, 30 times the size of the previous map, you know. You don't have that. It's just... You know, you progress the story by doing missions and assassinating certain people in this order, but you can explore the whole city as it is. I I can't remember. Uh, was it... Did they have the feathers in this game, like the collectible feathers, or was that the next one? I think it was the next one, gotcha. but I could be wrong. Because I feel like there were collectibles in the first one. I think they were maybe just, like, little glitchy, like, nodes or something you had to run well, I'm going to look it up. Because I'm trying to think of some of the other things that you could do in the free room besides just walk around and climb things and murder innocent people. It was the second one that had the feathers. I want to say there was like pages in the first one. God, I know there was something. There was something you could collect. Um, and I mean, collectibles... I mean, I, I imagine we're going to get into more of the gameplay talk, but collectibles are a very prominent mechanic and feature in most of these games until they had the big change-up not too long ago. But that's that's for another time. <laughs> so much history. Oh, yeah. And I liked, I also put in my notes that... I like the introduction of air assassinations and chain kills. Oh, so, like, yeah. you had to get the timing and everything to line up perfectly, and you could, like, accomplish these. Oh, oh yeah, these these feats of uh, incredible dexterity and, and speed. Um, no, those were, de- especially the aerial kills were really, really cool. Because um, a big part of the game uh, was you know, the fact that you are an assassin, you know, you are not a knight, you know, because open combat was kind of, I want to say hard, but it could get kind of dicey, you know, if you're getting swarmed up by five or six dudes, you know, they can take you out pretty quickly, so I feel like the game kind of 
steers you more firmly in the direction of stealth and, you know, social subterfuge and stuff. Um, and so things like the chain assassination or the air assassination, they just, that they play on that power fantasy of being a, uh, an assassin, I think. So some, I wrote down the weapons in the first one. Gotcha. Um, it's weird to look back because in the later games, there's so many more options and you forget just how few there was in the beginning. Oh yeah, it's it, it just looks so sparse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got your fists, hidden mm -hmm. blade, throwing yes. knives, short blade, and a sword. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's all you get. Uh, which, I mean, at the time, that probably wasn't that big of a deal. Um, uh, it, it, they really make better use of like tools and gadgets in the in the net, the following games. Um, it's very stripped down because uh, you basically have the fists, which I think I don't know if there were missions where you just had to like beat somebody in a fight like non-lethally. Um, I don't know if they were in this game because uh, more non-lethal stuff kind of comes later. This game is just you're killing everybody. Um, there was some interrogations where you needed yeah, to where you use your fist to beat the tar out of them, um, and then you have the you know obviously hidden blade is probably the most useful for stealth. Um, you had the long sword. His his sword looked really cool, by the way. It had like the I think the cross guard was like the wings of the eagle, and the pommel was the head. Um, it was really, really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you said there was a short blade and throwing knives. I don't. Yeah. I hardly ever use a short blade, to be honest with you. I don't think I did. I, I mean, I. <laughs> I mean, I was such a good gamer that I never had. No, nah, I'm just playing. Um, but no. I yeah, just I, didn't I, like them. They weren't very practical. Yeah, and then you had the, uh, the throwing knives, which is the only range weapon in the game if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. although there what i don't know if you remember this but in the, the teaser trailer they showed altair coming through the crowd and firing a like handheld crossbow at templars but for the final release of the game i believe that they removed it because people say that they were worried about like historical accuracies which is a very funny statement considering you know things <laughs> that happened later <laughs> and right. also about the fact that we're talking about space alien ancestors who created humanity and and were wiped out by a solar flare or whatever you know historical accuracy my ass but um yeah no i mean i, I it's it's very simple you j you have certain weapons they do certain things that's it you know there, it, there's the the focus of the game was the narrative and the exploration and, you know, the assassinations. I think that's really where their focus was. Um, and they just kind of gave you what you needed and nothing more. Mm -hmm. And the, even the fighting was very uh, straightforward. It there was, was a, you didn't really have to have any kind of finesse to it. You just, just fought. Yeah. Which, uh, that was, uh, I, I do know that there were some people who criticized the game for that, because being that you are this dexterous, kind of fleet-footed assassin, you know, because you have to be, 
uh, for just like you said, for it to not be such a gracious thing. You know, it's you just okay. You hit B when he attacks, and then you just instantly stab him through the chest, and he's dead. Um, or actually, no, I think in this game you would do like you would smack him first until they were like low enough health for you to just end them. But yeah. It, it, it was basically, I, I guess you could say it's kind of like the Batman Arkham games, except it's actually nothing like that. It's way stripped back. <laughs> That's a horrible comparison. <laughs> it's nothing like that. It's, it's, imagine that, but it's not that. And that's what this game is. That's all I have in my notes. Sweet. Okay. Um, I guess we can get more into the opinion-based stuff. Uh, so I guess, let me ask some questions first. Uh, so what do you think of the main character of Altair, uh, as well as Desmond, um, the two of them? What do, what's your opinion? I always liked Altair, but he wasn't my favorite. Mm -hmm. no, I, I definitely of, agree. For me, he was just kind of like one-dimensional and just kind of too broody. I really liked Enzo, or not Enzo. Um, oh, Ezio. Ezio. Oh man, the I mean the Star Child. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Altair, he was very. I feel like he just kind of reminds me of all of the really generic like white dude protagonists from like every video game in the two thousands. I don't know. It's he's he's all right. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I think he's actually one of the least compelling characters in the series. Um, especially, like, you know, because a couple years ago I tried to go back and play the first game, and I just kind of couldn't stand Altair, and I think it was because he was so... He was just so broody and monotone and, you know, I'm this assassin, you know? I, I don't know. It, it, it gets old really I'm fast. Batman. Yeah, very Batman with, like, I don't know, of the comic book flair. Um, and the fact that it's an interesting thing is that um, Altair Ibn Lahad and, at least in this game, um, Desmond, they look exactly the same in the face. Like, they're genetically identical, basically. But it's interesting because I think cutscenes in, like, later games, like in Revelations, um, Altair's face is much different. Um he doesn't look like Desmond, which I think is pretty interesting. I never noticed that. It's a small detail. Um, I, I I only picked up on it like when I went back and looked at some of the gameplay, and I was like, oh man, like he they they changed that. He does not look like that anymore. So yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. Um, let me ask another question. What do you think? Uh, how okay? So let's say. 1 to 10, alright? What would you rate this game in comparison to the following games? Ooh, that's a hard one. It is, um, it is a hard one. Kind of a contentious one as well. There's a lot writing on this. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fate of this entire community will rest on your shoulders right now. It's probably my third least favorite. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of people that would have put it right at near the bottom. Uh... I, I feel like that's a pretty fair assessment though. What what which games did you put below it? Might I um I Syndicate and Origins. Gotcha. Okay. Got you. No, I I, I, I could see that. Um I th I certainly think that it is definitely bot like towards the bottom of the list just because 
it, it's just dated, you know, it, and it's the first evolution. The other games, ha they evolved the mechanics and the stealth uh, gameplay, I guess, in ways that was very fun and made a lot of sense. Um, and going back and replaying the game, it does feel very bare bones, in my opinion. Actually, I change it. Syndicate and Unity Syndicate. are below it. Okay, interesting. Gotcha. Um, and, and we'll get to these games at some point. I don't want to do a whole lot of talking about other games right now, just because they, they'll have their time in the spotlight. Oh, um, yeah, there's so there's much so to many. it. Um, but, I mean, I can definitely see why at the time, in 2007, this was a big deal. Um I feel like for it was a very... me, at least, I've never seen a game like it, so it was just awesome. It was just different, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you know, because we we go through periods of gaming where, you know, there's kind of just the same things coming out. Like, oh, okay, another Call of Duty. All right, what else we got? Okay, another Uncharted. <laughs> That's probably gonna make people mad, <laughs> but. You, you you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. And then and then you see you know your friends like oh have you heard of this Assassin's Creed game? You're like what 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 is it? And you know you play as like this assassin guy and it's but the story's like wild you'd never understand. You like, oh man let me let me take a look at this. At the time that that was probably really interesting. Um, of course you know some people have gotten kind of tired of the formula as of late just because, <laughs> God how many what fifteen some games or whatever have been made, but especially at the time, I could see how this stood out. It stood out so much it got me in trouble. Oh, it got you in trouble? <laughs> Were you <laughs> yeah. not allowed to play it? No. My dad was like, you cannot play things that have so much conspiracy and all this historical, like... Like tin hat. Yeah, <laughs> tin hat, hat type wearing. thing. And he was like, also, you're killing people, and that's going to, you know, I like, you're going to want to think really that like, you can be one. <laughs> I, I love how that's secondary. <laughs> his his first thing was that, okay, this, all right, that's, that's not true, one, plus you're killing people. <laughs> right. But what's ironic is now he loves Assassin's Creed, because, like, I went over... I went home not too long ago, and he was like, oh man, I played, you know, Origins, and it was just awesome. I'm like, that's not fair. <laughs> oh my goodness. He's, he's like, oh, I mean, it, it's okay now, so. Now it's I okay get to now. Enjoy it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, any, uh, any other following thoughts that you had on the game or questions you wanted to ask? What did you think of the mechanics of the gameplay? Like the fighting and stuff? I definitely thought, I mean, of course, you know, the fighting is pretty bare bones. It, you know, it basically just consists of you locking onto a target and they make an attack. And I think there is a block button, but you had to do like a parry type maneuver and then you would do damage to them. Uh, or I think you could just maybe attack them repeatedly to try and break their block. Um, yeah. And then when you got them down low enough, you would do a, a cool, like, flourish of a finishing kill on them. It was, you know, I mean, it, it was functional. And I think that I, I could totally forgive that just because that's not really the focus of the game. Um, the focus of the game was, you know, the 
the history, the setting, like what you're doing. And it was also the stealth mechanics and the assassination and the social blending. Um, I feel like the, the, you know, while many of the periphery mechanics are kind of lightly constructed and, you know, not flushed out a whole lot, but the, the ones that they did focus on to flush out really just all work together in tandem to make you feel like a, you know, a stealthy, you know, subterfuge kind of assassin, in my opinion. I, I thought they did a really good job of just, you know, I guess it had good focus. Does that make sense? Yeah. I That's my opinion. What, what, what do you think? At the time, it seemed to make sense. But, like, going back, it's so clunky. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's... And, and that's, it's so that's, clunky. That's another... That's probably one of the bigger reasons why it's rated so low in my opinion is because you know especially from how the you know the following games function how they work especially the more recent ones uh you know they're just so much more fluid and so much more polished and not just that and the fact that they are so clunky but that they just have more going on there's just more choice Mm -hmm. you know there's more opportunity there's more customization and they those are all things that really elevated the games uh, following this one. Um, so going back and replaying it and not having that stuff is, I don't know. It's, it feels kind of bland now. That it I've does. Yeah. But, uh, th that's probably the main, that's my number one word I would say about this game is that in retrospect and playing it now it's bland, but that may be also because I've played all the other Assassin's Creed games. So to somebody who's new, I don't actually know what they would think of it because they would they would have played other modern games, just not the Assassin's Creed games. What do you think people now would think of the first Assassin's Creed if they went back and played it like today? I think that if they are modern video game players, it would not be received well. I totally agree. <laughs> Because it is like it's it's clunky. It's not thoroughly thought through, in my opinion, as mm. far as like gameplay. But if you're like new to video games, I think your mind would be blown, kind of like ours was back then. Oh yeah, yeah. I no, I totally agree with that. I think that um, they're used to having just a lot of like a whole package of just having so much content. In, in one thing, right? You have all these side quests, you have all, there's like a multiplayer, you have all these different features. Um, and the game just didn't have that. You know, it just doesn't. Um, because it was, you know, I, I, they, I don't even know how much stock they were putting in it to succeed. You know, it's a new IP, people don't know it. It's a new kind of game from what they can tell, you know. So, um, I don't know. They, uh, they definitely wouldn't be used to such a stripped back kind of experience from these older yeah. games. Mm -hmm. And I think if you start on any other of the Assassin's Creed games and go back, you will absolutely hate it. Yeah, I think, you know, if you were to tell me, like, oh, hey, do you want to play the first Assassin's Creed? I, I'd probably just say no, to be honest, <laughs> because I, I think the game just has not aged well. Mm -hmm. I think that's really what it is because going back and playing it, like the first thing that sticks out, just like you said, it's clunky. It's a clunker. It feels janky. 
you know, the frame rate's weird, the graphics are kind of, they're, they're, they're fine, they look okay, you get some like, screen tearing and stuff, but, um, you know, and, and it, it's just, it, it, you can tell the age when you're playing it, and then, you know, especially the newer games where you see there's just, you can put so much of your self into the game, by being like, oh, I'm gonna dress Ezio like this, and he's gonna have, like, this cape, and like, oh, you know, now I have, like, uh, you know, I have, like, a, a crossbow, and I have, like, smoke bombs, and it just, they, it, the, the next games really put so much choice, and more importantly, put a lot of opportunity into the hands of the player to do all kinds of things, and I think that's really where this game kind of hits the ground running and just catches its stride, is, is in yeah. the following games. I can't wait to talk about the other ones. Oh man, the next one, Assassin's Creed 2, is probably one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I again, I I will say that one probably also suffers a little bit from the age. <laughs> um, but no, I I think um, I think Assassin's Creed one was certainly a head turner for the time. Uh, just initially, it was a different kind of experience. Uh, I think that it served, I think it had like a, a job, like a goal it was wanting to reach. And I think it just did that. I don't think that the game like really, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say it's a game of the year um, for sure. But yeah. I think it was interesting enough, um, especially, I, I really do think that the subversion of that historical expectation with a very uh, like bordering like fantasy vibe, like sci fantasy, um, is I, I think that's what really hooked people and made them want to know more. You know, because I mean, because look at the communities, right? The, what, what, when the next Assassin's Creed game is coming out, what is the first thing that people ask? All right, where's it gonna be set? It's the yeah. first thing they ask, and that's because ultimately the idea of an animus and experiencing the lives of your ancestors during this time is incredibly interesting and very unique. Um, so I think definitely. that unique quality definitely carried the game to the heights that it got to. Well, I appreciate you talking with me about this, and I can't wait to go through the others oh yeah no i i'm i'm very excited i feel like i have a lot more to say about the other games uh because those opinions get to be much different than this one they're a little bit more spicier yeah because this one is i mean it's the first and it's there's the only first. so much you can expand on with it mm -hmm. yeah, especially with the game not not really being that broad in its scope. Uh, there's only so much you can really get down into the nitty gritty of with it. Um, you know, very very inoffensive game. <laughs> it's pretty, that's another good word <laughs> for it. Is inoffensive. Yeah. Yes, but w the next ones are gonna get a lot of love. So stay tuned for that. And thank you guys for joining us on the Geek Guild. And as always, you can email us questions or suggestions at geekguildquestions at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. Absolutely. Have a good night, y'all.